you to kill this mic for me. Second Timothy chapter number two. Verse number one. For you, therefore, my son, be strong in the Lord, or be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. In the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these things to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare. I want to say that again. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who has enlisted him as a soldier. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity, Lord, to minister to your people. Holy Spirit, I decrease that your spirit in me might increase. Speak to every heart today. And Father, I pray that you would silence the works of the enemy. Crush them, in fact, as we, Father God, peer into the realm of the Spirit. Speak to us, Holy Spirit. We thank you and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. I thought I would start with taking a poll. How many of you are going through what you would call spiritual warfare right now? All right. Spiritual warfare, all right. Well, spiritual warfare is something that is very, very real. I like to think sometimes, and you know, as I've been going in church for going to church for many, many years, I've seen people become really, really strange and weird when it comes to talking about spiritual warfare and demons and Satan and all that. I've been, I've, I've seen people say stuff like, you know, they look for the devil in every corner. Oh, the devil made me do it. The devil, you may remember Flip Wilson. The devil made me do it. How many know the devil don't make you do anything? <laughs> he don't have that kind of power. You got to submit it to him. But, you know, there are those sometimes that will say, you know, that there's a devil in every bush. That every negative thing that happens in my life is because I'm under a spiritual attack. Not everything negative that happens in your life means that you are under a spiritual attack. But that doesn't negate the reality of the spiritual forces of wickedness that do attack us. As the people of God, we understand and we know that Satan exists. Those of us who study the word of God, and I hope that every one of you do. Satan, if, if you read the scriptures, Jesus talked a whole lot about heaven and hell. Because the reality is that just as sure as there is a heaven and there is a God, there is a hell and there is a devil. The devil don't like you. He hates you. Do you know why he hates you? Because you are connected with God. And Satan was forced out of heaven because of his pride and his rebellion. And because of that, the Bible describes that he comes down on the earth 
to trouble us because he realizes now he only have but a short period of time. And so the enemy hates you. And, and I like how Timothy, how Paul is talking to Timothy. He says to Timothy, to Timothy, that you need to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And don't get too entangled with the affairs of this life. Because you're at war. Now, many Christians, if you were to ask him, do you think you're at war? They, I don't think so. I mean, you know. They don't really believe that you're really at war, whether because they were uh, not properly taught, they weren't properly discipled. But we're at war, and what are we at war for? The souls of men. It's the souls of men. Things like me and my wife was doing last night. The enemy don't want you to go and engage and talk anything about Jesus Christ lest they get saved, get filled with the Holy Spirit and begin to walk with Jesus Christ. The enemy wants to do everything he can to keep us silent, to keep us bogged down so that we don't share the gospel. Now, you know that the enemy can't do anything about your salvation. You are in Christ. You are secure. But here's what he want to do. He want to make your life miserable. He want you to be totally ineffective. And so here's what the devil do. He stares up stuff around you to get you off focus, to get you to a point where you just say, I'm sick and tired. And I just need to give up. This is just too hard. Because he want to get you so bogged down with the things of this life that you don't focus on what he has assigned you to do. And I'm here to tell you this morning that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And so we don't need to fear the devil, but we need to understand that he exists. I've never been to the military. But one of the things that I know and understand just from reading and talking with people who have is that before you go and you invade another country, you have to understand your enemy they do things like recognizance and they they do intelligence and surveillance because before we went in for an example and invaded Iraq how many know that there was a lot of study that went into that well why did we have to do that why do that because if you're going to engage the enemy effectively then you got to understand his strengths and his weaknesses and how you can cut them off as believers, you and I must understand the tactics of the devil so that when the devil comes running, when he comes running to us and harassing us, we can identify him right away and deal with it in the spirit. How many Christians don't understand the tactics of the devil? Jesus said to Peter one time, Jesus said to Peter before he went back to be with the father. He said, Peter, the devil wants to sift you like wheat. But I've already prayed for you. I've already prayed for you that you would remain strong. And I'm here to tell you today that the devil want to sift every one of you like weak. He want your life to be so messed up. He want you to be confused. He want you to be frustrated. He want you so occupied with everything and every problem. He want to just make your life a living hell. The Bible says. That the devil, Satan, the thief, Satan himself, come but to steal, kill, and destroy. 
The devil doesn't just want to hurt you. He wants to wipe you out. And if you don't believe that, you go and study the book of Job, the first chapter. Satan came and presented himself to God. Satan, and God said to, God said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? It's not a man like him. Boy, it's full of my spirit. He's a righteous man. The devil said, yeah, I've already been trying to knock on that door. But the problem is you're protecting them. Just, just give me some space. And it's good to know that God was in control of the whole thing. But if you read the spirit of that, when God gave Satan that little bit of window, when God allowed him, Satan just went off. He went off. He went to destroy his family, his kid, his property. He, I mean, he just went off because the desire of the devil is to wipe you out, to destroy you, to get you to quit and to give up. Spiritual warfare is very very real. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter number six. And you all have to pray for me because I got so much to say and I got a short window of time. <sighs> Ephesians chapter number six. Verse number 10. Finally, my brethren. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, the tricks, the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but here's what we're wrestling against. Principalities, against powers, against the rulers of this darkness, of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Having done all to stand, stand, therefore. Having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. The first thing that Paul says to the Ephesians is to be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. How many know that in and of yourself, you are no match for the devil. The devil was in heaven and he was the anointed cherub. The scripture says, and so he has a tremendous amount of power. But he says that we are to be strong in the Lord in the power of his might because it takes the power of God to stop or to crush or to, or to do away with the works of the devil. You can't do it in and of your own strength. And so what you do is, as a, as a believer, you begin to call on the name of the Lord. God, come right now in this situation. God, you understand that this thing is too big for me, God. I can't handle it, but God, I know you can. 
And so you begin to rely on the power of God to do away with that situation. So we need to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. The scripture says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And so we need to learn that it is the Lord that is going to do away. And I mean, know that in reality, the devil is already defeated. How many know that? He is already defeated. That's why he's mad. And he spends so much time trying to convince Christians that you're still, that, 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 that you, you're not going to make it. That your life, you know, that, 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 that we have no idea how this thing is going to turn out. How many know that read the book from Genesis to Revelation, baby, we win. We have already won. Do you understand that? And the devil wants to convince you that you're losing. He, he wants to convince you that, that, that you're not winning here. You're not going to go anywhere. There's not really a God. I mean, if God really was there, why don't he do something? Why don't, why don't God do something right now if your God is who he said he was? See, the devil never changes his tactics. He's the same old stinking rotten devil deceiving and he is full of lies for the scripture says that the devil is the father of lies and how many know that when you father something you started it the devil is the father of lies that's why Christians ought not be and we're going to talk about that in a moment lying that's not ought not to be a part of who we are as believers and we're going to talk about why in a second He says now that we are to put on the full armor of God. The full armor of God. Paul had experience with Roman soldiers. And you can tell that was his background that he was speaking from. And anybody that know anything about armor, armor is your protection. Your protection against the wiles and the schemes of the enemy. He's telling you to put on the armor because the enemy is going to come. He's going to come knocking on your door. And we need to be discerning to understand when he comes. And he says that in the evil day, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. What is the evil day? That's the day when Satan is going to come and he is going to leash his attack, his attacks, whether it's to, to get you frustrated, whether it's to, to get you mad, whether it's to to trouble you with that person that's sitting next beside you in your office. Whether, you know, I often say that God bring, put those persons there to refine our character. But, but how many know that the enemy knows too? <laughs> and he get people revved up so they can be a thorn in your flesh. But baby, when you know that you have already won, when you can discern what the enemy is trying to do, you stand firm. So put on the whole armor of God. Only God's armor can protect us from the schemes of the devil. You got to fight the devil in the spirit. The Bible says the weapon of our warfare is not carnal, but spiritual to the pulling down of strongholds. So then, how many know that I can't stand in the middle of the floor and say, okay, devil, come on, give me your best shot. How many know you ain't going to have no shot? You can't fight the devil in the flesh. You can't. You got to fight them in the spirit through prayer, through seeking God, relying on God and trusting God to move. 
You see, it's a spiritual thing. Look at your neighbor and say, it's spiritual. I got to keep moving. He says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Look at uh, Matthew chapter number 16 real quick. Are y'all with me? All right. Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, verse number 23. In fact, we're going to start at verse 21 for continuity's sake. From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But listen to this. But he turned and said to him, to Peter, he being Jesus, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. Now, that's a fascinating scripture because it seemed like that Peter was doing a very noble thing. You know, he he was caught up in the emotion. He loved Jesus. He had spent so much time with Jesus. And it seems that it was a noble thing that Peter would say, Lord, I don't. And when Peter was intent to say, I don't want you to go to the cross. I don't want you to die. But Jesus, being, being discerning in the spirit, he looks at Peter and says, get thee behind me, Satan. He wasn't really talking to Peter. He was talking to the spirit that was behind it. And see, and oftentimes what the devil works through our emotions. You know, sometimes we can get so emotional. That we can lose it. We can get out of control. And whenever we come to that place, I mean, know that, that as a Christian, you can't be possessed by a demon, but you sure can be influenced. And Jesus looks at Peter and says, I rebuke you, Satan, for you don't care about the things of God. See, some of the people that you're having problems with, perhaps, sometimes it's the spirit. You ever been just driving down the road? Everything is going okay, and all of a sudden, it just seems like this dark cloud just kind of come over you, and it's like, ugh. It's a spirit. And the enemy works through a lot of people, particularly, obviously, those who don't know God. Because the scripture says that they are held captive to do his will. And if you are not able, if you are a believer that's not properly discipled or really understand the things of the spirit, the devil can use you. The devil have used many people to come inside of church doors to rip churches apart. Christians who don't have a clue, who don't understand that when you gossip, you align yourself, for an example, with the things of the devil. So now you are a prime target. The devil, like I said, he can't stop you really, but boy, he can hinder you. He can get in the way of what God wants to do. For he says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not the person. That's why Jesus said you ought to love your enemies. Do good to those who hurt you and abuse you and talk about you. Why do you say that? Because they're being driven by a spirit. They don't understand it. And so we look at our government, for example. It doesn't make sense to any of us. Why would they say no prayer in schools? But have anybody checked that they got policemen now in every school? 
But we don't want you to pray. You don't want me to pray and ask God to protect our children? We've had more violence in school more than ever since we stopped praying. And I'm, I submit to you today, it is the spirit that is driving this thing. It's the spirit. That, that, it's the same spirit that, that, that legalizes abortion. How many know that God said in his word that I knew you before the foundations of the earth? And you remember when Jesus was a little child. How Herod had understood and knew that the Christ had come. And he said, look, I'm going I'm to wipe out all the babies to and under. Why was he doing that? Because he wanted he want to hinder God's plan and purpose. And so it's the same spirit. We sit back as believers. We, we try to figure out why is it? Why, why are people? What's going on? It's a spirit. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. There are spirits that we got to deal with. And if you don't deal with it in the spirit or understand it, you'll miss it. You cannot be effective fighting things in the spirit and the flesh in your human mind and reasoning. You cannot do it. And so it's a spirit that is at work. Now he talks about putting on the armor of God. What are the armor of God? What is the armor of God? He talks about the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, girding our lungs with truth, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, Taking on the, take, on, take up the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit. Real quickly, let's take them in order. He says, we want to gird your waist, with, with your waist with truth. How many know that we are to uphold the truth of God's word? Now, keep in mind, this has to do, this is our, this is our protection. This is how we deal with the enemy. The, the, these are our, this is our armor. This is how we deal with the attacks. He said we need to gird our loins with truth. Number one, we are to uphold the truth of God's word. There's a spirit out there today that says, well, you know, I believe some of the Bible. You know, some of the Bible is true. Some of it is not. It just depends. It is a spirit. And you and I are called to uphold the word of God. We, we are called to uphold the word of God. Even, listen, and they got television programs. People are supposedly out there and they're finding all this evidence. Let me tell you something. If you need to lock yourself up for a few days and you need to study to show yourself approved, you study, you get in the word. But when you come out of there, you better uphold the word of truth. Whatever you got to do to get there, you get there. Because it is the word of God. How many know the Bible? The God says the heaven and earth will pass away. But what? My word will stand forever. Forever. His word is going to stand. So we're to be people. For an example, we talk about truth. We're to walk in truth. How many know if we're lying, stealing, and cheating, then we have removed ourselves from the protection of God and we have aligned ourselves with the enemy. Well, you know, I got away with it. Nobody knows. (laughs) The devil knows. Not only does God know. But the devil knows. And how many know that the devil, listen, let me tell you something about the devil. He is so nasty. He don't fight fair. He's filthy. He is dirty. And the devil will set you up. He will make you think you're on top of the world. And at, the, and, and at a moment of time, he will wipe you out. Before you know it, you sit back like, oh, my, what happened? 
And he will leave you there wallowing in your vomit. He will leave you there. because, And you're thinking, oh, I got away with it. Oh, I don't have to say anything. Oh, I, I can steal. I can lie. I can cheat. How I many know that that ought not to be who we are? If, we, if that is our weapon, then Christian, listen to me, we need to walk in truth. Our lives should be characterized by integrity. People shouldn't be having to question us. The brother so-and-so? That guy to tell lies all the time? That is not who we are. When we do that, you align yourself. How many know that all the forces of hell knows? Oh, yeah, he's over here now. Okay. He's positioned himself right here. So, you know, you start walking in that lie. You start walking in deception. And at the right time, the devil is going to snatch the rug from underneath you. That's why he says we are to gird our loins with truth. That we are to be people of truth. That we are to walk in truth. We're to receive truth. You know how many times, you know, the devil try to tell you sometimes, oh, you know, you get a, you get a lump here or you get something there. Oh, you're going to die. Oh, who says that? Who's in charge of your life? But isn't it amazing how the devil whispered these thoughts to you? He's a thief. And I hate his guts because I know that he wants to destroy our lives. And I, for one, I'm going to stand and preach the truth, whether people like it or don't, because I love people too much. I am not going to stand idly by and watch the devil run roughshod over the lives of people. The price of being prayed is too much. It's too much. It's too much. So we're to be people of honesty and people of integrity. The breastplate of righteousness. Listen, we need to get up every day. When you clothe yourself, you need to understand that you have been clothed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And when the devil tries to tell you that, that God is not on your side, that God doesn't like you, and try to bring that spirit of condemnation on you, listen, if you blow it, you confess the sin, you let God, God, I did it, I'm wrong, then you move on and look, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So what do you do? You put on the breastplate of righteousness and you walk with a faith and a determination. And, and you lift your head up knowing that you have been redeemed. God has clothed you in his righteousness. It's a trick of the devil that tells you anything about you're not this. God, is, God ain't mad at you. God died for you. How many know that he's on your side? That's what the devil, he whispered these tricks to us, right? Try to get us to think that God hates us. God just, God ain't, nobody's, God don't forget. Oh, that, that, that you went too far. How many know you can't go too far with God? With sin abounds, grace what? Much more abound. Glory to God. Glory to God. Then he says we ought to, our feet ought to be shod with the gospel of peace. That is, if we need to, we'll listen to me. Our mandate, because here's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to get you, he wants to, he'll launch out an attack because he would rather you stay behind closed doors, sit in your house, watch TV, eat popcorn, go to work and die. He's happy with that. But he said we ought to have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Listen, that means that if need, listen, we will walk in the enemy's territory preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. We don't care because that's our mandate. Because what is the enemy? Why is he attacking you anyway? Because he don't want you to go. He wants you to stay right where you are. He don't have a problem with you. You can stay there all day long and play video games. He love it. He doesn't care. You can stay there all day and watch ESPN. You can stay there all day and play all the golf that you want. The devil loves that. Go ahead. 
just don't talk about Jesus. Just, just whatever you do, don't go sharing Jesus with nobody. That's why I say you ought to give a devil a black eye. You take those Thanksgiving baskets and you say, I'm going to preach the gospel today. Your feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You're preaching the gospel wherever you go. I told my wife last night we was going out. I said, I said, honey, we were going to Starbucks and get a cup of coffee. And she said, uh, I'm just going to sit in the car. I said, no, baby. I said, come on now because you never know. There might be an opportunity in there to share the gospel. Or something. Get out of the car. Get moving. Talk to people. Come alive in Jesus' name. Don't sit in the car. Come on, baby. Let's go. There are people out there that need to hear this gospel. So we need to walk in this thing with a faith and a determination and say, Lord, I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm going to preach the gospel of peace. I'm going to let men know. Devil, you want to mess with me today? Good. I got something for you. Get my Bible out the door. Let's go. That'll get him off of you real quick. He don't want you doing that. You want to get the devil out of out, you want to get the devil out of your way? Preach the gospel. He says, Oh gosh, the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. Roman soldiers, the helmet was what? To protect their head. How I many know that we need to protect our mind? You see, our minds are a major battleground for spiritual warfare. It happens right here. How I many know that? That war that goes on all the time. You love God. You really do. But there's this thing that just keeps bothering you. It's a war. He said you need to put on the helmet of salvation to confront that. And so you need to, in Philippians chapter 4, he tells us what we need to be thinking about. Think on these things. Whatsoever is good. Whatsoever is lovely. Whatsoever is praiseworthy. Whatsoever is true, whatsoever is of a good report, think on what? These things. And so when the devil comes into your mind and try to tell you you're not this, you're not that, how many of you, listen to me, you need to just let the devil know the truth. The Bible said that we are to cast down every imagination and every evil thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. You've got to cast it down. Sometimes it's going to seem like you're crazy. But you just go ahead and do it. Cast it down. Cast it down. The helmet of salvation. The Bible says this, and I love this scripture in Isaiah chapter 26, verse number three. I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me because he trusted me. God says, I'll keep you in perfect peace. Why? Because you're meditating on the things of God. You're thinking about me. You left me. Your mind is consumed with me. And when we are consumed with God, the, the, the exchange is peace. When your mind is stayed on Jesus, it's peace. I tell my wife all the time, I come in the house, I come through the door, quiet everything down. Kids, turn the TV down. If not, turn it off. Don't I, I do it, don't I? Say so. They know I do it. Why? Because if, there, if I sense there's any confusion... Cut the thing. Look, we need to get into a place where I can hear from God. We don't, I don't want to hear a lot of noise. I don't want to just, just shh. Because God never yells. He don't do that. God whispers. He speaks in whispers. And you miss him every time if you're so bogged down, you got everything else going on. Turn some of that stuff off so you can hear what God is saying. Why is that so important? Because God knows what's going to, what you're going to have to be dealing with within the next day, within the next hour. And so God wants to give you a warning. That's why we talk about spending time 
in the presence of the Lord in prayer and Bible reading. It's not so that I can just say, Pastor, just always talk about reading the Bible. Listen to me. That is your weapon, the sword of the spirit. Come on. It's not popular, but let me tell you, you need to be in that word every day. Be in prayer every day so you can deal with them devils out there because they're coming. And Jesus, the, the sword of the spirit is the word of God. It is, it, is, it is our only offensive weapon. The word of God. Jesus, and I, for time's sake, I can't turn there, but Jesus, when he was confronted with the devil in Matthew chapter number four, go study in your own time. Jesus kept telling him, it is written, don't tempt the Lord your God. You're really the son of God, then turn this bread into stone. Man shall not live. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Jesus constantly kept saying to him, it is written, it is written. Now, if Jesus knew how important the word is, how much more should we understand it? That's why I always tell you, bring your Bible to church and read and learn. Why? Because, you, you know, you can't carry Pastor Gary with you. Where you are, you need to be able to stand and say, you know, but the word of God says this. So if you see something on TV. <laughs> that ain't what the word says. You following me. This is your weapon. Now we got to close, but can I have five more minutes? Five minutes. Turn to First Peter 5 8. First Peter 5 8. And we're going to be done. This is the most important part. First Peter 5 8. Am I a little excited up here? All right, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't mean to be. But you know what? I, I just hate the devil. And I hate, you know, the things that we've been dealing with in this church. You know, the, the devil try to keep people out of church, keep people out of. How many know the devil stirs stuff up all the time? He's always, you got to understand that you're in spiritual warfare. He don't want you to get what God has for you. First Peter 5, 8, listen to this. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary. The devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Verse 9, resist him steadfast, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Now, he says there that we ought to be sober and to be vigilant. That means that as believers, we need to be discerning. To be sober means that we are alert. Why are you alert? Because your adversary, how many know the devil is your adversary? He goes about like a roaring lion. You know, when a, when a lion, when he roars, and I always say that's one of my favorite beasts, and a lion, I just, something about a lion just gets me really excited. The lion of the tribe of Judah, that's where I think it comes from. But, but you know, when a lion gets his prey in position, he roars with authority. Why? Because he wanted to get them to panic. He wanted to put them into fear. To stop them. So when the devil roars, he tells you stuff like, you ain't going to live long. You ain't going to make it, you know. You're going to be sick and die. Your children are not going to walk with the Lord. And I mean, no, he's, the devil is roaring. The Bible says he goes about like a roaring lion, seeking, listen to this, he's seeking someone to devour. He is seeking. The devil is actually, when, when you think about a lion, for an example, 
when lions attack, when they're on the go, when they're roaming, they are looking for a weak point, right? So whether it's an antelope, what, what does lion like to eat? Y'all help me preach my sermon. What is it they like to eat? Uh, antelopes and what is deers, uh, zebras, uh, zebras, hyenas, do they eat hyenas? Those guys are kind of bad, so if you get too many of them together, they can be trouble. Wildebeest, all right? So that's right. So what the devil likes to do is, the, the, with the lion, who's like the devil, but what the lion does is he waits. Here's what he does. I want you to hear me well. The lion, he sits back. like The Bible says he's like a roaring lion. He's seeking, so that means that he's on the prowl. And when a lion is looking for his prey, he's looking for the weakest link. Why? Because he needs an avenue to be able to get what he's really after. And so he catch one of those wildebeests or one of those antelopes or whatever, zebras. He catch one of them just kind of young and roaming off by themselves. Right? They kind of left the pack. We got some Christians that do that, don't we? And what does the enemy do? That he waits. He waits until you're alone. Bam! He looks for opportunities to come and attack you, to attack your family. That's why we say, see, coming to church is not about fulfilling your membership duty. It is about you positioning yourself to win. Being in fellowship with other believers who can help watch and guard you. And so we got Christians who are out there that, that, that are just, you know, they're out by themselves. Where are they at? I, I don't see them. I can guarantee you the devil is having his field day with them. Well, I don't need that church. I don't need that church stuff. I'll go to church. I ain't going to church. That's a trick of the enemy right there because you don't understand that the, that the body has been constructed in such a way that you can't say to your hand, I don't need you. And your eye, you know, we're all part of the body. And so I was talking with a sister earlier this week. I was saying to her that how the enemy, like, for example, in your home, you know, I'm real big on, on because that's my sanctuary. And the enemy, here's what he does is he looks for opportunities and ways to come in and to wreak havoc. So then what you and I need to do is to figure out the areas of weakness in our home, in our lives, and we need to sure it up. So that the devil can't come in because he's going to find it. If there's a weak, if there's an avenue, he's going to get it. So for an example, if you struggle with lying, how many know that that's a point of weakness? He's coming in. If you struggle with sexual immorality, how many know that that's a weakness? He's coming in. If you struggle with self-control, how many know that is a weakness? And if you don't deal with that, the enemy is going to come in. Why? Because the Bible says he's on the prowl. And how many believers don't even realize it? Oh, I'm on the spiritual attack? Oh. But see, when, you, uh, when you're in fellowship with other believers, how many know that we can cover each other? We can cover and watch out for each other. Support one another. That's what this church is all. That's what the church, the church should be about. We're a body of people. We're a body of believers. Because we're all fighting the same battles, the same devil. And it's about time that you need to get to a point you're getting mad enough to say enough is enough. And you can't play with, with evil spirits. You got to confront it and you got to deal with it. And you got to cut it off. Show up those areas of weakness in your life because the devil is going to come 
He's looking to get in there so that he can destroy everything that God is trying to build in your life. And he will do it if you let him. As I said before, at the start of this message, the devil, the devil, he has. He just can't do whatever he want to do in your life. But when you put on the full armor of God, you're walking in truth and righteousness. You're preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. You're taking the sword of the spirit. And we didn't talk about the shield of faith, by the way. I missed that one. The shield of faith by which you can quench every fiery dart of the enemy. The shield of faith says that whatever the devil throws my way, I'm going to make it. See, we sung that song, I know I can make it. I know I can make it. I know I can make it. No matter what the devil throws my way, I'm coming out on top. The shield of faith. You read Hebrews chapter 11. You look at the saints and all the stuff that they went through. Someone was sawed in half. They was cut. They was beaten. They were bruised. And they still, they didn't even receive the promise, but they kept on anyway. Because they know they've already embraced it in the spirit. They've already embraced it in the spirit. And so, Today, my encouragement to you is to every morning, before you walk out of the door in your prayer time, and I hope you spend, listen, if it ain't but, look, look, start with this, two minutes in the morning, take a scripture verse, two minutes, and take a few minutes, you know, to read a scripture, and a few minutes just to pray, every day, every day, and I want to encourage you, put on the whole armor of God by faith, today, Lord, I'm putting on the helmet of salvation. My, my thought life is going to be right. The breastplate of righteousness. I'm going to, I'm going to walk in righteousness. I'm going to put on, you know, I'm going to gird my loins with, with truth. I'm going to walk in truth today. I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm going to take the shield of faith. I'm going to be strong. I'm going to, look, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give up. Why? Because I'm more than a what? Conqueror. So I ain't giving up. Can't give up. Because I won. What am I going to give up for? Why would I want to forfeit my victory? I've already won. So you can't do nothing to me, devil. You can't do nothing to me. Because I've already gotten the victory. Act like it. Bow your head, close your eyes. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this word. Father, we thank you for your power. 